Bicycles, the drunk podcast where two random lesbians, no, we're two lesbians, no, we're two people drunkenly review odd episodes of Call the Midwife. Is that how it goes? Yes, that is exactly how it goes. It's wonderful. Thanks. I enjoyed it. (laughs) So resentfully done, like, fuck's sake. Um, so hi guys, welcome to today's podcast. Um, today we are going to be reviewing series four, episode four, which, do they, do the episodes actually have names or are they just, did we miss the name thing? Or? I don't know. I don't think so. They okay. don't on IMDb. Maybe it's just series four, episode four. I don't know. So should we just jump in? Mm, what are you drinking? Uh, oh, I am drinking Diet Coke and raspberry vodka i've gone back to the old faithful. i've gone back to the old faithful what are you drinking i've gone back to the old faithful too i'm drinking (laughs) white wine (laughs) please no more shots that was we will never ever do shots ever ever again (laughs) guys you don't know how ill i was after that she nearly died she didn't actually nearly die but you know i had worried text messages off people So we're never, ever doing shots again. Never, ever, ever. 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 (laughs) So (laughs) let's just put that one straight to bed. Um, So this episode centres around um, the night of a thousand children being born. Actually, Mm. it's ten, but it's a lot of babies. This was like... Everyone was shagging nine months prior to this because I think they were putting, like, something in the water. Mm. Well, did you not think there was something a bit different about the light in this one? It felt very bright. Like they were trying. It to... did feel very bright. Yeah, like they were trying to say it was summer or something. I'm not sure, but without, you know, ice lollies in it was the... summer. Yeah. So I'm just wondering whether they were maybe New Year's Eve shags or not. That's true. Apparently, if you're born in September, doesn't that mean... Well, it was no wait. Oh, if I got my dates wrong. No, wait, wait. I'm trying to work. So there's a date for um, Valentine's Day. Like, there's a big spike in births nine months after Valentine's Day. And the same for... um, I think it's November. Yeah, if you're born in November, you're a Valentine's Day shag. Oh. Um, (laughs) And if you're born in... September. There's lots more September babies as well, and that's New Year's shag, Christmas shag. Oh, okay. Everyone else is just. Then. <laughs> so like yeah. I'm not getting you a Christmas gift this year. Just have a shag instead. Have some spunk. Enjoy. Oh, don't use the S <laughs> word in my presence. And also, I should say, Sam is with us in the uh, Skype call today. She's observing magisterially. She's Legally. So we have an adult in attendance today. Yeah, we needed it after the last one. Adult-ish. Adult-ish with a brilliant haircut. So the episode, this episode is about loads of babies being born on the same night. It's also about uh, Trixie's drinking. And uh, misogyny, really. Mm, Lots of it. Heaps of misogyny. So let's get going. So the opening scene is Patsy, Barbara and Winnie riding three abreast through quite a narrow street full of washing lines. (laughs) 
And um, I, I would just like to say, while they're doing this, the Jenny monologue is about there's a rhythm to Poplar and an artist, church every Sunday. Mm. Was the church every Sunday, like, mandatory? Because isn't Phyllis an atheist? I think most people back then went to church at least once a week, didn't they? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There's a lady I knew that used to go to church three times on a Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And that shit. I mean, she really was single. Yeah. <laughs> just like that makes a huge difference. Maybe she was married and just wanted to get out of the house. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did notice while they're ri- also they're riding three abreast across it and i did notice (laughs) just saying next to each other they're riding next to each other but i just thought is that legal like what are the laws and bicycles because what if they knock down a child or something that child is gonna have to like jump the length of three bicycles to run over so they could do first aid it's not gonna be a delia incident is it where we're gonna have a concussed child that doesn't remember its parents no, nurse versus car definitely loses. Child versus three midwives on bikes. Probably mm. still not going to end that well, is it? Probably not, actually. I also noted their facial expressions. So Winnie looks smug. Patsy is smiling, looking a bit Mary Poppins-esque. And Barbara <laughs> looks like she's really concentrating. Must stay in, must stay in time with the others. Otherwise, yeah. the crossover won't work. It won't be a rhythm. It won't be a rhythm. <laughs> But they look so like, ah, I'm so serene cycling. I would be hanging out my ass, especially like they have to get there, set up the community centre. It's got to be like six in the morning. Mm. And they've already dressed, makeup on, which is bullshit. And then they're having to cycle three abreast down this narrow side street full of washing. I mean, what if a washing line was really hanging low and they had to dodge out of a pothole or something? And they couldn't because there was three of them. Yeah, but we'd get a new midwife then, wouldn't we? So win-win. Yeah, but we'd lose, like, what if we lost? (laughs) We'd lose Winnie. Come on, we'd lose Winnie. There are, like, genuine groups, though, who run. There's, I remember there was a group that lost their minds because cyclists, cyclists, there was two abreast, and they were like, it's illegal. And now you've got old. Anyway, this is a side thing that isn't that important, but I just wondered. Um, So the next scene. (laughs) You've gone all serious. <laughs> well, about the law? well, you know, it has to be mentioned every now and again, doesn't it? True, I suppose. Mm. But the next scene is the community centre and everybody's getting the centre ready. So everybody's like moving chairs feverishly and I don't know, wiping stuff down and playing whatever they have pong. to do to prepare. Playing ping pong in the background. <laughs> um, and Phyllis says that Trixie is 15 minutes late to work. Um, so she should have been there. She, they, so which tells me they would have been like riding four abreast down a very narrow street, which they're definitely <laughs> taking some kids out at that point. <laughs> like the popular death squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the music from Kill Bill in the background. So, you know, that crazy Asian one with the... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'd like, cycle in a four, in like a square formation if they were in a four, I don't know. Oh, like the red arrows! Um, yes! <laughs> do you think they do a little <laughs> formation? Like With hand signals. Get the bee! Arses. Get the bee! <laughs> With the coloured smoke out their arses. 
If they don't, they should. I hope Heidi's taking notes. Heidi, if you're listening, we need the midwives in the B formation with. <laughs> but like, <laughs> this is definitely showing though in this scene that um, Trixie. Her alcoholism is affecting her work. She's now becoming unreliable. She's late to work. She's just not the trickster that we know and love. And there's this this, this peppering of these throughout. Yeah. But it's already an ongoing issue that everybody's kind of aware of and no one's really saying. I don't think um, anybody realises quite how bad it is until this episode, do they? But I think everybody covers for her at this point because they all love her. Like, mm. when little blips occur, we kind of see that with Barbara. People cover for her because they mm. care for her. So because everybody's covering for her, the true extent of her, the impact of her professionalism isn't being fully felt. Like, they all know something's wrong, but they're, no one's seeing the full picture because it's being hidden by everybody else. Mm. Yeah, one blip or the odd blip perhaps doesn't change their perception of her either, does it? No. Um, Sheila then says that 32 babies are due that day and 15 require vaccinations, at which point Phyllis shits on Sheila massively and is like, yo, um, well, hurry the fuck up, bitch, because we've got a lot of work on and, uh, you know, we need to get it all cracked out because 32 babies and 15 vaccinations and there's like four of us. I mean, mm. they're all riding three abreast, possibly four abreast. We really need to sort this out. And <laughs> Sheila says um something about how you know it will all be sorted and the babies will have time with the doctor and then they can come to you guys to see what's what needs to be done and phyllis then just for some reason nitpicks further and is like hmm well you do you do your, you need to do your best work so the real nurses can get on with the real work which is shade phyllis shade that's and, bad and sheila kind of goes eh and she kind of goes, well, the doctor will be fast and uh, we'll, I'm sure they'll get the care that they need. And then Phyllis just continues to shit on Sheila and says, well, the medical staff will make the decisions, not you secretaries. Ooh. Phyllis. No. No, 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 no. That, no. Um, then Dr. Turner arrives. The ma- Don't worry, everybody. The man has come to reassure his woman. Thank goodness. And um, Sheila says, oh, Patrick, don't worry. I found your ashtray hidden in a box. I've managed to clean it and probably polish it before you even need it to touch your cigarette. Um, What a (laughs) shit job. That's what my notes say. Could you imagine you've gone from being like a really strong member of the midwifery team to now you're the doctor's bitch running around looking for an ashtray? Why can't he just use something he finds? Why does he need a special ashtray? It's a bit of a come down, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's a shit job. Dr. Turner goes, Phyllis Crane, once seen, never forgotten, which is kind of passive aggressively like, she's shit. Don't worry, love. Everything's <laughs> fine. Um, and uh, Sheila goes, I was a midwife for 10 years. I've been and, working uh, on my Sheila accent. Oh, go on, you do it. Yeah. Oh, Patrick, I was a midwife for 15 years. I don't think it's very good, but. It's like she's in the room. Is it? It is. If cool. if if like I, I was like, oh, Laura Main, I didn't know you were going to be the guest star of this podcast. Yeah. Mm, okay. Have you worked on your New Zealand accent? 
My new, no, why? Why was I going to work on my New Zealand? Oh, not New Zealand, Australian. Weren't oh, we, we were going to do Australian accents, weren't we? Yeah. Um, hang on. All right, Sheila, throw another shrimp on the barbie, love. <laughs> Amazing. That was yeah. really good. I can only go Hugh Jackman. Didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crocodile, don't you? Your Australian accent, shite. So there we go, Amber. Um, That's not an accent. Cool. This is an accent. <laughs> That's not an ice. This is an ice. Um, so there you go, Amber. Your request for us to do an Australian accent. I think we managed it really well. Good eye, Mike. Good eye, Mike. So then the doors to the community centre had opened and a horde, an absolute tidal wave of pregnant women and young children run through the door. They were so excited to be seen and have their toys. Toys, get the toys. Um, and Patsy, uh, as she, as she turns around, Phyllis goes, Nurse Mount, you'll have to take on all of Trixie's duties until Trixie arrives. So Patsy kind of has his face on, like, I'm now having to do two people's job because Trixie has decided to arrive at work late. That would sort some serious resentment within a team. Because if you start being that guy, you become the weak link in the train. Mm. And long term, you will get pushed out of the team. Because yep. when it's that busy. I feel like Patsy quite likes doing two jobs at a time, though, don't you? Yeah, I feel like she's one of their multitasking people. Yeah, she likes hard work. She does. She works hard. She does. <laughs> Next scene. Um, Trixie is walking to work with Tom. Don't hurry your ass or anything, Trixie. It's not like you're half an hour late and people are counting on you. You continue to walk with your man friend. Um, Tom says that he's had a call from the bishop's secretary and the bishop is obviously local and the bishop is going to come round and chat to him. Trixie then gets really excited and she's like, oh, are we going there or are they coming here? To which Tom kind of freezes and goes, oh, because he A, hasn't considered that Trixie would want to be part of this huge thing in his life. But B, mm. who is it to Trixie to be asking him questions? Uh, I just got this whole vibe from this situation. I was like, Tom, you're an ass. You are one of those hashtag nice guys. It's a bit of an ass. Mm. Yeah, um, there was yeah, there was an undercurrent of something there, wasn't there? He kind of pauses and Trixie goes, well, surely, you know, I'm going to be your wife. So he'll want me to be there, too. And Tom goes, you know, I didn't even ask. I didn't even consider you. I in was that just situation. so flattered that it was all about me and how brilliant I am. I didn't even think of you. Never even crossed my mind that I'm part of a pair now. Mm. Um, Trixie kind of reacts. (laughs) Not for long. Um, And then Tom wonderfully refers to Trixie as his greatest asset because Trixie is an object. (gasps) Oh, there's a lot of illusions throughout this episode. There is so much latent and blatant sexism. Like, I'm down with the patriarchy, bitch, but this is not working for me at all. There's so many allegories and shit, and it's just irritated the arsehole off me. So (laughs) Trixie often gets linked to being an object. She's either a doll or an asset or a wife, but she's not Trixie the midwife who actually has her own value and adds stuff to the world herself. 
I think a lot of men in Trixie's life feel that she's just decoration on their arm. Yeah. And it's shit. And then we're like, why is Trixie depressed? Why is Trixie self-medicating with alcohol? And it's like, because she's a modern woman trapped in a 1950s pretty lady. Yeah. And she's not being valued for all of her very many great attributes. I tell you what, one time in the future that Trixie's just going to explode and be like, that's it. I've had it with men. I've had it with men. I'm going to be bisexual. And, you know, we're all going to be like, bye icon. Let your freak flag fly, baby. Um, So the next scene (laughs) is the community centre. The community centre is very busy. And so one mum shuffling about looking proper awkward. Um, And she's in like a long coat. I don't know why, Um, but she looks quite awkward. Um, And she sits next to a woman that's chatting a load of crap um, called Mrs. Coulter. And Mrs. Coulter is the mother-in-law of Miss Coulter who is and mrs coulter is regaling everyone with birth horror stories which is what you want in a room full of busy anxious first-time mums you want some old lady (laughs) it's absolutely the appropriate location for those stories yeah you should be filling those mothers with terror because terror makes them push harder yeah and at the right time exactly you will give birth um patsy then arrives and asks and she's very polite about it she kind of asks her to stop doing what she's doing because it's not helpful and she kind of goes you know you're here with your daughter-in-law you should be encouraging her quick question if you were about to have a baby would you Mm. want your mother-in-law in attendance um i'm just saying no like, Although, I really I love my be, mother-in-law. I wouldn't want to I'd probably bring her. Own, oh, I'd be fine. I wouldn't want anyone with me. I'd be like, just leave Bibi. Don't know. I don't know. So, uh, the nervy nervousen, mother-to-be that's shuffling around in her duffel coat, is actually known to be Bridget Cole. And she's called, um, just as she's called, Trixie arrives. And Phyllis pulls her into the side and basically tells her off and says, you, you're late. And Trixie goes, I'm really sorry. And Phyllis pauses and goes, you know what? No, it's not OK. It's not OK that you're late. And sometimes mm. I think you've got more frills in your brain than you have on that hat, which A, is a fucking epic line. <laughs> Such a good burn. But B, people are getting frustrated with Trixie and her behaviour. So this mm. is obviously something that's escalating because Phyllis isn't is usually someone who's quite understanding, but in this situation, she's like, no, it's not good enough. She proper snaps her, proper snaps. She does, and it needs to be done though. Well, Trixie's a, in a position of superiority here, though. She's the acting sister, and she's she's the senior she, sister. Yeah, she's late. She's you know unrepentant seemingly that she's late she's waltzed in as if there's nothing wrong not oh my god guys i'm really sorry i'm here now you know i'm really sorry that you had to pick up the slack it's just waltzes in and yeah. i think it will rile people up mm-hmm. especially when it's so busy like trixie is really pushing her boundaries a little bit mm. um so in the same community center monica joan is sitting and explaining to the children stories about henry the eighth which is the very famous <laughs> king who had six wives 
And um, as she does this, she explains that Anne Boleyn was beheaded with a big sharp sword. The kids, I would like to point out, are fucking loving this. And anyone who knows a five-year-old will know they absolutely love a gruesome story. <laughs> yeah. Like, kids love stuff like that. You, you, like The gorier, the better, to be fair. I've never met a five-year-old that wasn't really interested in something that was gory. Um, but a mum overhears and loses her mind and she's like telling him stuff like that he won't be able to sleep and this kid's like oh mum I want to hear about the other one that was going to get her head chopped off Um, (laughs) I just like I feel like people still do this like I feel like the biggest best thing you can do with a kid is give them a really difficult book sometimes and be like well you probably won't be able to do it and just out of contrariness they will learn Um. Trixie then arrives, kind of reassures the mother and says to Monica Jones, what are you doing? And Monica Jones like, I was just, you know, nurturing the future historians. Who doesn't want to hear about Henry VIII and his dead wives? And uh, Trixie's like, let's go and roll bandages, leave the small children, which is really unempowering. I feel bad for Monica Jones. Well, they're building up, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of build up in this episode. We're building up the Trixie thing, and we're building up the Monica Jones thing here. Yeah, and all the pregnant women, because obviously there's so many women who are about to... Oh, there's a lot of sex goes on, isn't there, there? There is. There is a whole host. They're all at it like flipping rabbits. Well, they didn't have TVs back then, did they? Yeah, but come on, you know, read a book, love. Yeah, there's only so many books you can read before you're like... Mate, uh... <laughs> take the book into the loo and sort yourself out while I have an early night. <laughs> Next scene. Winnie is then with Bridget, who is Nervy Nervison. And um, she says to Bridget, you're a bit late to be coming in because you're due to give birth any time, hopefully by the end of this episode. Um, and Bridget says, and then she goes, oh, you know, what's the name of your husband? And Bridget's like, I'm not married. That's right. I did this thing and I'm not married. What do you think of that, Winnie? <laughs> and Winnie um, nearly implodes with the self-righteous urge to <laughs> be like ah, an unwed mother. But she reigns it in and I'm proud of her. That's character growth. <laughs> yeah, she's on an arc. Yeah, you can see she's turning into quite a nice, well-rounded person. Um, and Bridget kind of goes, are you... Are you judging me? She even she even pushes her and Willie's like, yeah. no, no, no. Let's talk. You know, I'm a nun. You're a prostitute. Let's talk about this. <laughs> it's fine. We'll talk about evil outside of the door. And good for Winnie. Good for Winnie. Good for Winnie. I'm glad. Um, so Bridget is number one big storyline in this episode. And then the next storyline comes into the next scene, which is the second one, which is um, the sexist, sexism, sexist, sexismist storyline I've ever watched. Introducing Mr. Frank Robbins. Ding, 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 ding. Weighing at 180 pounds. (laughs) And (laughs) 90 pounds of it is sexism. Um, And he makes rope. A very manly, a manly job. Man, man. He's a man, man. He is a man's man. And his wife, who doesn't get a name until the last 10 minutes, I notice she's just known as Mrs. Robbins because she's Frank's wife. I did not notice that. Oh, my God. Well, I was like, what's her name? And I even looked at an IMDb and I couldn't find her name. But she only gets a name when she's giving birth. That's bad. I hadn't noticed that. 
she's just known as Mrs. Robbins. Barbara's she's, always like, Mrs. Robbins. So Mrs. she's Robbins. Own, she only exists in the context of being someone's wife. Yeah. I think her first name is of Frank. Um, so... <laughs> Um, so Ob Frank arrives and tells Frank that um, she's, they've got loads of orders coming in, loads of rope. People are lousy for rope. They want tons of rope, more rope than you can shake a rope at. And Frank says, oh, my dad would be proud. My dad would be proud because he dreamed of a rope based empire. And thank goodness it's starting to come into fruition. Of Frank is pregnant and um he and Frank goes, isn't it amazing? We're going to have a baby. And it's a very tender moment. So Aww. Frank's actually not too much of an arsehole at this point, but he gets arseholier as it continues. But even as he like touches the bump and is like, I'm so happy. My dad would be so happy. She looks really tense. There's she knows. She, she knows. knows it's fucked from the start. As they leave the rope workshop where men are manly leave making rope, um, Barbara sees them coming out and um, they have a little chat about, oh, off it, Frank. I thought that um, I was looking for you, but I thought I'd miss you. And she's like, oh, me and Frank were just, you know, looking at rope. And um, Frank then leaves to go and do more rope related work. And um, as he turns around, he goes, oh, Miss Midwife, when it comes out. Make sure it's a boy. And they all laugh because it's so funny. Sexism is hilarious. It's wonderfully <laughs> funny. It's wonderfully it's funny. It's just amazing because, you know, whatever. The wife continues to look concerned, as I would at this point, because I've clearly married a bellend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, new scene. Babs is... They're all in their bedroom and Babs is with Patsy and Trixie and she's educating Trixie on the correct language when chatting to bishops Mm. because Babs is a religious socialite on the sly and knows all of the correct terminology. (laughs) A religious socialite. (laughs) That is a class line. I'm remembering Um, that one. Barb says that her dad is a priest and so she's met canons and bishops and archbishops, but she's never met an archbishop because she came from a slum tenement in Liverpool. Um, and Patsy goes, well, honestly, Trixie, I don't know why you're getting so stressed. And Trixie's like, I want to make a good impression because, you know, he's going to be speaking to Tom about how well he's doing. And um, Barbara starts saying about topics that Trixie should bring up, like maybe you should write down lots of topics about things that are happening in Somaliland because priests love information about Africa, which, oh, the colonialization. Um, also, it does point out that Barbara is like mega knowledgeable about church related crap and Trixie oh, knows yeah. nothing, which is kind of like a sly inference. So you can kind of already see who would be more appropriate. Yeah. yeah, Barbara would definitely, she knows what she's doing. She's going into it, whereas Barbara's, whereas Patsy's like, what cake should I buy? They have a different approach to things yeah i know what you mean it's it's it, yeah that she's clearly far better seated to marrying a clergyman and as she as barbara's chatting away talking about all the topics trixie looks really bored and she goes well i think i need another drink and it's only for a second and i watched this on bbc iplay but patsy makes a face when she says i need another drink 
Okay, I hadn't noticed pa- that. Patsy kind of gets this look on her face. She kind of does like a half an eye roll. Like, oh, there we go. She's hit the bottle again. And I just, uh, it's another little hint that Trixie's drinking. And especially, like, they live together. Their bedroom, they share a bedroom. Mm. So if anyone's going to be seeing Trixie off her tits, it's going to be Patsy. Yeah. Which, if they were a couple... (laughs) (laughs) You know, if there was anything going on there... I'm just saying, Patsy would, you know, she just got that face on her. I'm not going to say any more because you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, next scene, Winnie goes to the docks to visit Bridget. Um, and the area is quite shady. As she pulls up, there's a woman in the official stance of prostitutes the world over, which is one, le- like leaning against a wall, <laughs> one leg cocked against the wall. And, uh, she's kind of like, oh, right, lover. And then a John arrives and she kind of takes his hand and she's like, come with me. And at that point, Winnie probably should have thought, perhaps I'm in the wrong area. Perhaps I should pick someone else who's not wearing a wimple and an entire nun outfit because she sticks out like a carrot in an (laughs) omelette. Or it could be fancy dress. You know, some men might quite like that. It'd be very niche, like, wouldn't it? It'd be very yeah, You'd pay you, extra you, for that, no, wouldn't no, you? You go into the brothel. Put the nun okay. costume on, love. Put it on. Put that. <laughs> you know how some brothels they line up, and one's in a shepherdess outfit, one's in a you know like a French maid outfit, one, and then one um, will have it. Are they not I'm learning a lot. Uh, I can't. Uh, which out of those three would you pick? Nun, shepherdess, busty pirate. I, I, I would pick none of them. Uh, <laughs> she's too quick. So Winnie, despite seeing this, then wanders aimlessly through a brothel without anyone kind of guiding her. So you see her kind of working through a beaded curtain and there's a lady smoking there looking all bedraggled because maybe she was did the night shift. And, she did it <laughs> and like she kind of wanders through. And Don't they all do the night shift? Well, you know, it's a multi-opportunity. Um, so then she wanders into the bar and all these guys are like, hey, new flesh. And um, <laughs> the madam sees her and goes, uh, we don't want your sort round here. We don't need saving. Just fuck off. We don't. Which tells me nuns have been to this brothel before. Yes. Which nun do we think has been to this brothel before? Definitely Monica Joan. I really hope it's Monica Joan. <laughs> Definitely Monica Joan. I just feel like she'd react well in that environment. She'd be up on the stage dancing with Nora. Dora, whatever her name is. Dora, yeah, probably. Probably uh, less syphilitic, though. Yeah. Um, with any so, luck. <laughs> so the, Winnie explains that she's here to speak to Bridget, and the madam's like, oh, okay, I'll take you along. Um, and she's led to Bridget, who's sorting out baby clothing on her bed. She's kind of in that nesting phase where mums are like, I need 15 of the same blue <laughs> cardigan. Um, I need more cardigans. Babies, babies need so many cardigans. We, have they we got another one warm. thing? They need they to need be warm. warm. If they get, <laughs> if they're not warm, they will perish. Give me more warmth, more blankets. Have we got enough blankets? Sorry, right, everyone's <laughs> crocheting them. 
Um, and Winnie, uh, while they're in there, there's a sound of a man shouting, a bottle smashes and a woman screaming and crying like, no, don't do that. And Winnie's like, interesting place that you've got here. Will you be, do you think you'll be raising the child in this brothel? She's like, you know, that meme of that guy that's holding in a fart and his whole face, like the veil and everything's out. That's kind of Winnie in that moment. Yeah. Like she's, she's going to pop a vein. Say something. She's going to burst a blood vessel in her eye, isn't she? <laughs> And um, Winnie asks Bridget if she plans to return to prostitution when she gives birth. And Winnie, and Bridget's like, well, I never really stopped. I need to keep my regular sweet, which is, is rough, isn't it? Like, you really well, want to be chilling out that close to due date. You probably don't want to be. I got the impression, though, she was doing hands and mouth only. Yeah, she did say she doesn't do the full works. You know, mm. she's got standards. Um Winnie then asks if this is the right place to give birth, bring up a child. And Bridget says uh, the girls here are her family and, you know, she's cared for here and she's safe here. And this is where she belongs. And this is why, you know, she feels comfortable bringing a child up. Uh, a pot then smashes and um, there's a sound of a, a woman's voice kind of whimpering. So Bridget runs to a lady she calls Dora, who is an elderly prostitute who lives at the brothel. And I'm hoping isn't working Considering her diminished capacity. Mm, it's a little bit uh, ambiguous, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't look good for old Dora, bless her. Because she's got um, a double bedroom, she's got the underwear only on, you know, it's not mm, like she's she's ready for action. Yeah. It I also thought, is noticed. And she's got to make money to live there. I don't know, though, because I was going to say it later, but I think there's a really strong parallel between the brothel and Nanatus. Yes. Yes. Because both are kind of female safe spaces. You know, they both are doing a job and they're doing a service to the community. But, you know, they kind of look after each other. The girls will obviously have a relationship. So, you know, the nuns and the midwives have this kind of familial relationship. And so will the brothel. So that's mm. why Bridget says this is my family. And then also the parallel between Monica Joan and Dora. Yeah, yeah. With obviously uh like you say, a reduced capacity. Mm. So Dora, um, first of all she's wearing uh some sort of like cami kind of top and on her side you can on her kind of shoulder you can see all these lesions mm. which are syphilitic lesions, um which kind of basically the body when you get syphilis it pushes the body causes these lesions to try and kind of absorb some of the toxins that are built up with end stage syphilis. But it should be noted that these syphilitic lesions um, also appear on the internal organs. So she's got a high chance of neurological damage and heart attack because mm. it can grow on the valves of the heart and then mm. you just drop down dead. It's very so. common on the liver as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So syphilis, don't add it to your Christmas list, people. Wrap yourself yeah. up. Stay get penicillin, get penicillin, people. Get, get yourself penicillin. a nice little penicillin for Christmas if you're going to be dabbling in syphilis. OK, yeah, take it from me. Take it from me. <laughs> no more cankers. We don't want any more cankers. No one on this podcast listening. Don't you struggle with them cankers. Get yourself some penicillin. It'll be right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Dora um, has cut her hand. She's like lifted some sort of vase and it's like slit the palm of her hand so Dora is hurt and uh, Bridget kind of asks what's going on Winnie follows which I understand why she follows but at the same time Winnie fucking learn to read a room like you're in a very busy brothel perhaps it's not your place to just be 
bursting into bedrooms after someone else. <laughs> also, if there was something going on and there was like a situation where Bridget had to defend herself, what fucking good is Winifred actually going to be in that situation? Well, she'll she'll hold her cross up at them and then they'll stop because it's the 1950s. Fingers crossed that punt is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it burns, it burns. People were um, much more respectful to nuns in those days. I don't think so. I think the patriot. I mean, look what happens to Cynthia. Uh, that was wrong place, wrong time. Mm. So Dora's cut her hand and Winnie sort of insists that she can clean it, at which point Dora gets very, very frightened. Dora does it. She's frightened. She says that, you know, the police will get hold of me. I'll be locked up or they'll send me away and they won't let me out, which says that she's obviously had really negative experiences with healthcare professionals and with the police, which was very common due to the stigma. Winnie then leaves because Bridget's like, you're really upsetting her. You need to go. Mm. Left a Winnie. bloody big bottle of Dettol, though, didn't she? Well, you know, I feel like she was probably like, just disinfect everything. Where's where's that going to be when inventory's taken? I feel like she'd probably explain it away. Like, I left it at a <laughs> brothel. They need to clean Dettol everything. Everything you can find needs to be Dettoled. <laughs> God knows what's been oozing on it. Um, Ew. Yeah, it's still a pretty sight. So Winnie then leaves. And as she's leaving, Bridget follows and says that Dora is very, very afraid of healthcare workers. And um, Winnie goes, you know, how how confused is she? Is she confused a lot? And Bridget says, oh, you know, it comes and goes. And Winifred says um, those lesions on her shoulder and chest are probably are called gummers, mm. um, which is gummers syphilitic lesions, and um, that she probably needs Dr. Turner's help. Bridget says no. Um, she says that Dora hates doctors and um, Winnie then goes, you know, she's got the lesion. She's probably got advanced syphilis. And Dora is not Dora. Bridget is not surprised. Bridget's like, well, fucking yeah, obviously. We know. She knows. (laughs) Which (laughs) takes the wind out of Winifred's sails somewhat because Uh -uh. Winnie's like, don't you know she has syphilis? And (laughs) Bridget's like, yeah. Still not going to go see a doctor, babe. Um, oh, they did look painful, though, didn't they? They looked really, really sore. I mean, even mm. if she didn't have syphilis, like if she just had a... Le- I, when I first watched it, I thought she just had a really bad burn and I, I'd forgotten the storyline. So I thought, oh, is this storyline like someone's been battering an old woman or something or burning mm. her? But, yeah. Mm, sad. Next scene, Barbara goes to see Mrs. Robbins or of Frank because she still doesn't have a name um, <laughs> and of Frank is showing all of the baby stuff and it is sea of blue everything is blue because boys like blue there is no question on gender there is no every boys like blue and girls like pink and that is all there is please yep this is sarcasm please okay don't <laughs> just irritates the arsehole off me um, and then Barbara sees a pink cardigan, which has been hidden by someone who is stupid because it's on the top of the pile. And Barbara goes, oh, what a lovely pink cardigan. And of Frank loses her mind. It's like, don't even look at that. No, don't look at that pink cardigan. It was mine if I ever had a daughter. But I'm not going to have a daughter because it's illegal and girls are shit. I cannot um, have a daughter. I can't have a daughter. The world will end if I have a girl. 
Ugh, girls. Ugh, girls. Um, and Barbara goes, you know what, Of Frank? It'll actually be all right if you have a daughter. And uh, Of Frank says that she's afraid that she'll be letting Frank down because they've waited years to have a baby. And if she lets him down by having a boy, it will end their marriage and she, he will dump her and throw her out of the house. <sighs> It's not a duke or something with a title to pass down. And <laughs> he owns a fucking rope company. It's He's like not the fucking king. Sake. Honestly, it's really, really shit. And Bob Frank shit. is shitting herself. Like, she's shitting a brick. She's so afraid that she's Frank... She's shitting a whole bloody side of a house. That's she's so bricks. scared and frightened. And, oh, it's just rubbish. I feel so bad for Bob Frank, who still doesn't have a name. Um... So the next scene, Barbara is in the living room with the gang. Um, I also noted, like, every, t- every time we see Trixie, she's got a drink on. Mm. They're all in the living room. Everyone's got a cup of tea, and Trixie's got a little glass of sherry. Ah, oh, I didn't notice that. So I've, she's noticed always... the... I've noticed so little about this episode. Did I even <laughs> watch it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And um, Barbara says um, she wanted to tell Frank... Robbins that he's wrong and Phyllis says the gender's already been determined and Trixie says she doesn't understand why people think one gender is better than the other and Patsy says well I do because girls are better than boys Patsy Patsy, you're such a lesbian (laughs) she she was talking for all of us when she said that I was like I would also like to point out, um, while we're on this subject, can I, uh, can I do a little medical fact? Mm. A little, little medical fact? Yeah, of course. Just, just one. Why are you doing All fetuses. Points, I just, I just feel like a medical fact needs to be started. Are we doing accents again? We could do a little what, accent. What's there. the accent? I don't, I don't know. It. I feel like this is kind of Baltimore, but very tired. <laughs> um, Baltimore. Baltimore. This is, this is Sam. I'm the producer. No, I can't do it. I can't do Sam. Um. <laughs> But my fact is that all fetuses prior to, I think, 12 to 16 weeks are female. Because Ooh. the penis grows out of the clitoris. Um, basically, all eggs are XX and the sperm is either XX or XY. So the sperm is so the man is the one that decides the gender of the child, not the female. If women turned into lizards and had babies due via parthenogenesis, where they self impregnate all babies would be female <laughs> have any males at all basically boys are the ones that produce other boys you need a, you know you need that and it's a 50 <laughs> 50 you need a man for a man exactly because it depends on how the genomes are kind of split and stuff like that but all babies when they first grow as a little egg little tiny fetus they're all little, girls little tiny fetus we're doing little that again tiny. obviously we're doing the little we're doing the little we're doing the, accent, we're doing the little accent together, <laughs> but yeah all the babies look like girls and when i say girls because gender's so complex what i'm saying is they physically manifest with what looks like a vagina and then basically the penis grows out of the clitoris and suddenly it looks like a male with a penis okay that's that's the crack so it's basically frank's fault if he's had a girl, it was my point. <laughs> that was my point. It's a, it's Frank, a very good old, point. Of Frank, a load of shit. Like it better be a boy. Well, you better have fucking change your diet then, because it's your fault you have a girl. So you may as well just deal with it. You, you gave me man. the wrong sperm. 
You gave the wrong spurn, Frank, and you've got no one to feel angry about but yourself. Stupid man. Not that you should feel angry at all because girls are ace. Um, but Winnie asks, what if girls don't feel worthy? You know, they should feel worthy. All those prostitutes, because she obviously has to talk about her own case. Um, all those prostitutes are selling themselves so cheaply. Finally, the judgment has rolled out and she's, she's mm. in a safe space. So she's ready to offload about the prostitution. And Monica Jane goes, well, what other wares can they sell? Also, I kind of feel bad for the prostitutes when she says they're doing it quite cheaply. I bet some of them are like really good at their job. Well, being good at your job and getting fair money for it are not necessarily the same thing. I know some people just aren't paid. And especially in that environment. But, you know, like it's kind of this thing that happens with prostitution where the women are somehow dirty or dirtied by their profession. But all of the men that utilize that service are don't ever really get mentioned. Mm. I feel bad for prostitutes, man. They're just, you know, it's the oldest profession in the world. There's mm. always been prostitutes. In any civilization, there's always someone that's like, okay, well, give me a goat or give me a bushel of things that could be bushelled and I'll, I'll look at your bushel. Okay, shout out here <laughs> for Kate Lister's A Curious History of Sex because she's got a yeah. bit of a chapter on whether prostitution's the oldest profession or not. Or not maybe a chapter, but she certainly addresses it. Yeah. It's quite interesting. There we go. Shout out. Um, 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 pause. Can I just get a glass of yeah. water? I wanted to add to your baby thing. That, that's why everyone has nipples. Even though it I'm is. Men, yeah, it's completely pointless. On men. And men can also get breast cancer because they have Ooh. mammary yeah. glands, yeah. which obviously they don't use. But some men can lactate if their partner is pregnant. Really? And it has been known that some men, some men get so involved in the pregnancy and so excited they can start to lactate. That's okay. I mean, like, I'm sure that's, but like, I'm, I'm a legit woman. I shouldn't say legit, but like, <laughs> and even I didn't. You are, yeah, actual. Female. You look legit to me, love. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but I like I have a uterus and all the hormones and everything, but like I didn't feel that way at all. So I don't know. That's interesting. It is possible. Actually, you could potentially lactate. You could like that's obviously I'm not comparing anyone to a dog, but sometimes in the animal kingdom, like a female dog will have a bitch will have a litter of puppies and another dog will then start to lactate in kind of like, do you want some help? I've uh, I've sorted myself out. Do you do you need anything? Are you good? I'll, I'll take this puppy. I'll just have this one. You do your oh, thing, man. Same with cats, puppy. lions. Could I suckle them. a puppy? Um, I know. I, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> um, also, just real quick, the Baltimore accent, you guys nailed it. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blow smoke up our arses. <laughs> no, it's not. No, you should, you should do American accents more often because it's just hilarious. Please. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm going to go back on mute. You guys carry on. I'm going to go to the bathroom and also switch out the load of laundry that's in there. So just ignore me in the background. Okay. Okay. So, Nusi, Trixie is running a mother class on bathing baby, and Old Frank is there 
bathing a fake baby in preparation for her birth and she becomes very tearful and Trixie kind of goes oh you know it can sometimes become a bit too much and hormones are really hard and she kind of goes oh Barbara could you come and speak because obviously Barbara's her midwife and Barbara takes her away to go and have a little chat um, and they kind of, uh, Trixie underplays it because she's like, oh, she must be so, you know, just to get ready to give birth and she's all emotional. But I actually think there's a huge amount of fear for, of Frank. I think she's shitting it a little bit. Yeah, well, she's, she's fearful of his reaction, isn't she? Mm. So, you know, she, she, yeah, she doesn't know how, he, how he's going to react when she, when it's made known to him. Yeah. It's it's not positive, really. Um, in the same community centre, Winifred is boiling her urine um, when Dr. Tanner arrives and says, we need to go and speak to Bridget. Um, and Winifred goes, oh, no, 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 because we can't go and see that Dora because, you know, she's really afraid of doctors. And Dr. Tanner says, I'm not talking about Dora. I'm talking about Bridget because Bridget also needs to be seen by a doctor. And he has a very mm. serious face. As he says it, he's incredibly serious. He's, got he's a serious always serious. Doctor face. He gets his little know. lines on his forehead. Yeah, he's really mm. acting serious. This is a serious doctor face. There's no finger wagging, though. He does wag his finger later on. Oh, does it? Well, he's always wagging his finger. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't. Um, Barbara and of Frank are chatting. And she mm-hmm. sort of acknowledges that she's feeling upset. She's quite tearful. And Barbara suggests giving her medication to help her sleep and rest because sedating a woman so she can't verbalise her issues is the healthiest thing to possibly do under these circumstances. Well done, Barbara. Good call. Well done, Barbara. Um, Winifred. Um, oh, no, wait, wait, I've gone to the wrong bit. Um, and Miss uh, of Frank then says that she thinks her husband will leave her for a younger model they've waited years to have a baby um and now they've had a baby um she's concerned that she's not going to provide him with a son which he mm. really wants if he just provides her with like a shit daughter um, yeah one of those stupid girls one of those stupid girl babies not the boy babies that makes a huge difference and she says you know i see him sometimes thinking that he'll move away and go and find himself a young girl that can give him two maybe three sons mm. which will improve his life drastically in you know as opposed to the daughter that he'll despise um next scene Winifred and Dr Turner arrive at the brothel and inform Bridget that she has syphilis um Bridget is initially disbelieving goes oh no 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 because I use a douche after every customer peroxide Um, douche a peroxide douche peroxide is the same stuff you put in hair Hasn't that, that's got a, that's got a hurt. That's not got, She's got to have scars. That's not going to be pleasant, is it? Like a chemical burn on the inside of your vagina. Ow. Ooh. Think of the scar tissue. Ooh. Maybe like, that's, maybe that's why she's popular. Well, like ribbed for. Yeah. Your pleasure. <sighs> Also, would it not make, because scar tissue tends to be smooth, so oh, is that why she gave birth so easily? It? Um, it's fibrousy, but it's quite smooth. Um, so maybe that helped the baby give birth? Give her, her give birth to the baby, like a log flume kind of deal? Just grease the sides and it falls out. Vaseline. Vaseline. We've all been there. We all know. It's Vaseline. <laughs> Can you say it in a Baltimore accent? 
<clears throat> Vaslin. Go on, get yourself some Vaseline. Um, so um, Bridget says, you know, I use a peroxide douche. And Winifred says that's not good enough for a viral strain, a stronger syphilis. And they say that she needs to come and stay at the maternity home for penicillin injections due to danger to the fetus. So basically, mm. syphilis severe complications for the baby. And actually, do you know, they still do this in the prenatal checkup. So every Syphilis. woman has a blood test. No, they have a blood test in the first 12 weeks and they check for all STDs. Really? Yeah, because syphilis and things like... God- well, congenital syphilis is quite quite bad. No, it? but it can have a huge effect on actually the woman's ability to give birth and also it can affect, like, miscarriages and things like that. Okay. Um, so next scene, Barbara is at Nonatus and she's just standing there like a lemon. You can literally <laughs> hear someone going... Take scene. Barbara's like, better hold on to this bicycle and not ride it. <laughs> um, at which point, a- I did think that myself actually. <laughs> it's like, what you wait for, love? <laughs> she's literally standing there with a bicycle, staring off at the, at the world. <laughs> yeah. <she's-> um, <laughs> and Frank uh, arrives, and he's got a wreath made of rope, manly, manly rope. And um, it just so happens that the, it's still uh, flaccid, though, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, Frank decides, apropos of nothing, to explain away his douchebag behaviour and the fear that his wife is exhibiting by talking about his dead father. And he says that, um, look at Marvan. Marvan says, Frank and sons. That's me. I'm the sons. Um, men, 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 and he says his dad died in the Second World War, and he had two brothers, and they died in the Second World War, and he swore to his father that he would one day produce a son to continue the sign that said Frank and Sons. And my question before or after his dad died? I have no idea. But also, could he not like you just have Frank and children, couldn't you? You could just scrape off the sons. I mean, I'm sure he's got a whole host of men making rope. He doesn't own a spatula that he can scrape it off his van and change the sticker. Why can't they just come up with a better name? And like kids. ropes. Yeah. We'll show you the ropes. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> We've got this tied up. <laughs> So Frank says, oh, well, I made the promise and um, he comes here on special occasions because it's his father's death anniversary, because how fucking convenient that it be that way. And also he's like, I always no, come here. No, it was here. his birthday, wasn't it? Oh, his birth. It was something important about his dad. And um, he's come to the war memorial, not his grave, because the war memorial is actually next to an artist. So we could have this conversation with Barbara. Um, and he's got a wreath made of rope, which I just found like you couldn't go and buy some flowers cheap ass um so he's like i need a son so that i can continue my business and barbara goes you know you may have a daughter i i hate to bring this up but 50 percent of babies born are actually not male so maybe you should put that into your planning and he's like absolutely not impossible unlikely not gonna happen i need yeah. a boy. but you not think that you, you remember the first scene we saw them yeah and um, of Frank was saying how we've got so many orders this week. It's going to be our best whatever ever. 
Yeah. She's clearly running it. She's running yeah. it. So if she can run it and she can do that, that's valuable. Come on. That's more valuable than, you know. I, do you know what, Kim? I just don't think it's plausible to think that a woman might be capable of running a business. I just, oh, you know, okay. it just seems unlikely to me that a woman might have that ability in her brain. I mean, yeah, I was right. actually, I was, I got lost in ability. the toilet for three hours and someone had to come and find me and lead me out because my tiny brain couldn't cope. Yeah, we've all mm. been there. I had a row with a woman in a changing room once. It was, was me in, in the locker? mirror. No, it was me in the mirror. I didn't realise. <laughs> Excuse me, do you mind getting out of the way? She just didn't do anything. And it was me. Honestly, it's a good thing we have the men folk to tell us where we're going wrong because we wouldn't be able to work it out else. Thank goodness. Thank you, God, for men. Thank you so much. I actually, while we're on it, GQ magazine last year made last year the year of the woman. Right. I know what you're thinking. It's about fucking time. I mean, I'm so pleased that we finally got a year. I mean, all it took was from the creation of time itself against literally one other opponent, but we finally won. <laughs> got a year. <laughs> it only took giving birth to literally every human being on the planet, but we yep. finally were acknowledged. But have we been on, you. Have we been on the front of Time magazine yet, though? I don't think we have, no. No, well, it's not real, then. Mm. So next scene, Trixie sees Tom at Nanatus and um, she asks him because she's really worried about meeting with this bishop. And she says, you know, do you think he'll want finger sandwiches or do you think he'll want this? And she's obviously wanted to make a good impression. But Trixie's all about appearances. And Tom is kind of exasperated. And he says, Trixie, all you need to do is relax. OK, just relax, because primarily the bishop is actually coming to see me not you so you just need to be there and look pretty because it's not about you it's not about you Trixie the men will be discussing our possible future you just need to shh you're my finest asset just look pretty just look beautiful baby the men will do the thinking next scene uh, Bridget arrives at the maternity home and Sheila and Winnie give her the tour which I'm imagining is this is where we come in and this is where the babies are born. And this is where you'll be. Don't forget the toilet. Oh, and this is the toilet. That'll and be this ten. Is, this is the map of how you get out of the toilet that was drawn for us by a man. We get very lost. We get very lost. If you if you don't understand, we've written instructions. Just knock SOS in Morse code and one of us will come and fish you out. <laughs> um, Bridget looks quite uncomfortable in this setting and... Um, after Sheila buggers off, she turns around to Winifred and says that she's actually tried to get rid of the baby. Um, gin in a hot bath. That's what Dora told her to do. Mm. And um, when that I didn't tr- work. I tried that for a Veruca. It didn't work either then. Gin in a hot bath is not a good thing. And anyway, Whitney Houston can attest to the fact that it doesn't really work. Oh, 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 oh <laughs> come on. There was, there was some. There's a bit of cocaine as well. There. there was, yeah. And some benzodiazepines as well. Um, she then says that when she got to four months, she realised she was still pregnant and it hadn't worked. And she considered going to a back alley abortion. Um, but when she got there, she couldn't go through with it um, because she just thought, well, the baby's a fighter. I've already tried once. and It hasn't worked. Um, and she said she feels scared and ashamed because she's possibly put her baby in danger through having syphilis. And Winnie reassures her. Winifred then goes out and I'm hoping she shuts the door. Otherwise, that poor woman's going to be like, I can hear everything you say, you two-faced bitch. 
Um, <laughs> and Winifred speaks to Sheila and she's like, God's truth. Um, I don't know. What... <laughs> A bit of the old amber there. <laughs> um, I don't know why all of these prostitutes put themselves in so much danger. And Sheila, as a real plot point, by the way, then goes, oh, you know, we always tell the prostitutes to wear condoms, but they say the customers refuse because it's like taking a bath with your socks on. So in actual fact, it's not the prostitutes themselves who don't want to actively engage in safe sex. A lot of it is the fact that the men who I'm imagining will some of them will go home to their wives, uh, don't want to use contraception because why should they? These are women that they're paying for. And uh, yeah. this continues to actually be a huge issue, um, which is I think they should legalise prostitution. They really do. Mm. <laughs> I just think if they if it was legal, it wouldn't be in back alleys. Women would have access to safe health care and mm. the men that actually used the prostitute service would have to wear a condom or they would be removed by security. So there would be lots there would. And also it would mean that women aren't required to work for pimps who they then have to. And often they get, you know, involved in drugs and stuff because it's an unsafe environment. They get hooked on it. So they continue to work. Well, it's sometimes just, they're, they're safer. pimps get them hooked on it because then they're at their mercy. Exactly. So, uh, I, there is an argument to be had about it. That, or sorry, not an argument. There's a discussion to be had around what the best thing to do is around it. And then they I, would be suitable for working laws and stuff. Like they would have to have breaks. They couldn't yeah, work. They'd, they'd have to have 12 hours off between shifts. They'd get pensions. They could um, have a work-life balance. annual leave, flexi time. Exactly. Maybe, like if know. they wanted a week off, they could have it and know that they would still get paid. Yeah. Um, sick pay. And they could standardise pay. the wages, which would also stop people from going, well, if you won't do it, I'll go to so-and-so who will put herself at risk. Because it would be like, Fuck you, bitch. This is a standardised wage. If you want to blow a job, it's 30 quid. Really? It's only 30 quid? Do you know, actually, there was a... Sam, edit this bit out. There was a woman (laughs) in my town who was called 50p Lil, and she was an absolute... um, She was like an icon in my town. Everyone who Hmm. grew up in my town has seen 50p Lil in action because she just didn't give a fuck. Um, And she did it for 50p. Yeah, 50p for anything you wanted. We had clear chips. <laughs> for a bag of chips? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Bless her. No, n- 50p, Lil. Yeah. All right, Lil. Oh, syphilis. I think everything got her in the end, to be honest. She had just about everything. Okay. She was an icon, though. When I did bar work, she used to come in for a pint. I'd be like, all right, Lil. <laughs> all right, Lil. All right, Lil. How's things? Throw the glass away <laughs> after it's been used. Um, so then Sheila, going back to the story, <laughs> Sheila then goes, I actually have last year's report of venereal diseases on hand for the Poplar region, which oh. I keep in the waiting room where children can see. Um, and she explains about the venereal <laughs> disease and how there's a huge, the huge amount of men in Poplar that are utilising the services of prostitutes, but, you know, are clearly contracting venereal disease because no one will practice safe sex. Um, new scene. So, mm, it's, yeah. Market forces need to take over here, don't they? I mean, like, you know, 
it's clearly if they legalise it. Also, there would be taxes. And yeah, but you'd need, need to, but there'd, be, there'd need to be a proper licensing system that would need to be checked. I mean, but that's like, the point. It would pray, it would ensure the safety of the girls that were working. At the end of the day, yeah. those girls are people and they absolutely deserve human rights. And so often they're abused. Yeah. And we license things that are dreadful. You know, we, we alcohol, really bad. Smoking's mm-hmm. really bad. Terrible. Sex is fun. Why don't yeah. We, you know. And, you know, there's always been prostitution. So, you know, my stance is legalise the prostitution scene. Let them girls be safe. You've convinced me. You've convinced me. Uh, so next scene. Trixie's looking for clothes to wear and um, it's daytime. It's clearly very light and bright outside the house. And Trixie is drinking quite heavily. So she has at least two. She finishes off one glass, pours herself another and starts to drink that. Barbara then arrives and is tired, kind of exhausted, lounges on the bed like, oh, so-and-so's just given birth, I'm knackered. And Trixie says, oh, well, you know, come on, go and get changed because we're going to the hand and cheers because we're going to have a brightener, which is basically her term for, come on, we, I'm really excited, we need to go to the pub. We've got a yeah. prearranged agreement. And Barbara doesn't really want to go because she's tired, but Trixie is insistent that they're going to go to the pub because yeah. Trixie wants another drink. Which is just another thing that Trixie is being very much ruled by her addiction. Um, New scene. It's the middle of the night. Peter's looking very tired, um, making what looks like cheese on toast and a cup of tea. (laughs) Winnie arrives and um, apropos of nothing is like, "Uh, Peter, how many prostitutes are currently working in Poplar? At which point Peter says, uh, to the best of my knowledge, 600 to 700 prostitutes. I could not believe that. Which is a massive amount of prostitutes. That is is a huge number. For such a tiny borough. Well, yeah, but it's the dock, isn't it? It's people, it's a lot of people coming and going. Yeah, it's sailors. Yeah, it's sailors. Salty sailors. Girl in every port. Yeah. Um, and Winnie goes, would you mind introducing me to some of your prostitute pals? And Peter's like, uh, uh next scene, Winnie <laughs> is talking to Sister Julienne and Winnie excitedly is explaining her intention to educate the prostitute community of Poplar into using condoms yeah. um, and practicing safe sex. And Julienne's a bit like, what? She just looks bemused. Like I, <laughs> she's she like, I saw you two hours ago, and you were just, you know, chatting about how homophobia was, homosexuals were wrong, and now you're like, I want to practice safe sex with prostitutes. I want them all to understand about contraceptions. I and, want um, to save them. I want to save everybody. She's got white knight syndrome. Yeah. Um, so Julianne's like, yeah, okay, if you want to go and do that, you do you, babe. So the next scene is Winifred, who I feel like she could have, like, denunned a little bit for this particular job. She's not allowed to denun. Can they not, like, is there not, like, a nun light outfit that she could have put on? Maybe a less obvious. The nun light (laughs) one is the one they wear for birthing. The nun heavy one is the one they wear for the choir nuns. No, but I just feel like, like, is there not, like, a less pentagon-shaped hat that she could have worn for this? No. Like, she's so obviously a nun. Could she not have just turned up and been like, well, I'm going undercover? She wanted to be in suspenders and fishnet stockings. <laughs> no, I'm just like, wear some plaid or something. You stick out so obviously and everybody's going to avoid she you because you don't fit in. 
She ain't wearing no plaid left. Come on. She fucking would. Don't be dead. Lady Doth protests too much. Um, so then there's like, um, like, you know what? There's like a montage of her walking towards prostitutes and being like, can I interest you in the, uh, the knowledge about condoms and prostitutes being like, fuck off. Um, you trying to lose me business? You trying to lose me business? He'll go to other girls if he thinks I'm going to wear that dirty stuff. Um, and also, she also doesn't just accost prostitutes, she also accosts men as they approach <laughs> prostitutes. And I have to say, it's a very ballsy man that walks past a nun into a brothel and just ignores her. Like, Depends how desperate he is. Uh, that's the I man mean, he, who... He might have a raging bone or he needs sorting out. I don't know. So no, basic. I don't know either. Um, it's only a rumour I've heard. Next scene, Barbara and Trixie are walking back from the pub. They arrive at Nanatis and um, Barbara says, oh, by the way, they've obviously been talking about the bishop that's going to visit Tom. And Barbara goes, <laughs> Trixie, that bishop that's coming, he's a teetotaler. So if I were you, I wouldn't mention how much you drink. Um, to which Trixie kind of has like a double take and goes, what do you mean? And Barbara goes, oh, well, at the end of the day, me and Patsy have a little joke where we wonder what time Trixie's bar will open. And Trixie goes, is that what you call it? Trixie's oh. bar. And Barbara's like, it's all in the spirit of fun, you alky bitch. Um, and then they away. <laughs> <laughs> Trixie's like, oh, OK. So I think Trixie thinks she's got everybody fooled. Um and the mask doesn't. is slipping. Oh, it's slipping so bad. Next scene. Monica Joan is looking at... I, lo- I love this scene. This is the scene where it got tearful. Because I love Monica Joan. So, mm-hmm. Monica Joan is... Did you not? <laughs> <laughs> Monica Joan is looking at pictures. And Julianne arrives and she goes, look, look at this picture. And she says... Um, and it's a picture of the suffragette marches. Yeah. And she says how... I they saw them they looked so amazing votes for women I would have joined them if I didn't have my own journey to be on um and she she would have made a rocking suffragette wouldn't she she'd have been brilliant yes she'd have been brilliant and then she'd she be put, brilliant at everything Monica Jones deserves all the love and then she yeah. shows a picture of herself at 40 and it looks really glamorous so I'm assuming she wasn't a nun at that point was it 40 was it I missed that bit yeah, she said she was 40. Um, and she said, I, she, I carried my purpose wherever I was needed. I was so capable. And there's almost like this bereft. She feels really, um, disempowered. And you can clearly see that she feels disempowered because hmm. she just, well, she feels, she feels like she isn't useful anymore. I know. And I suppose we all at some point will feel that. And that's awful. I've always believed you're a, you're a child, man once, but a child twice. And it's the same for everybody, really. Like we all, when we reach our old age, we do need mm. a bit more support. Um, Sister Julianne says, you know, Monica Joan, you are still a valued member of the team. And Monica Joan goes, <laughs> I am a relic, an oddity and a nuisance. She's so sad. I hate it. Why couldn't Trixie have just let her talk about how really hates? The kids were loving it. And now they she's were. like, oh, it makes me so sad. Right, next scene. Uh, Bridget is having her jabs in the arse. Um, and she says prostitutes are being maligned in the local paper. Um, Patsy, who's giving the jab, she kind of just pops up. I really thought it was Barbara. 
And then Patsy's like looming over, <laughs> over the, the, the covers. This is one of the scenes. Bright, backlit Patsy looked really good in that scene. Yeah, I feel like they were really playing around with the lighting in this one. <laughs> um, <Nice. laughs> um, and Patsy says, you know, when when you've had the baby, you're going to return to your work in the brothel. And she's much more pally than uh, Winnie, less judgmental, I thought. And then Bridget says, no, she doesn't really want to, but she couldn't work in an office. And Patsy says that, oh, well, you know, I was visiting a mother's and babies had just the other week. And it's run by clearly Chummy, who could start her a new life if she wanted to, which I think is a nice callback because we never see Chummy again. So it's nice to know she's happy starting with new lives. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And then the uh, the brothel's madam arrives and says, oh, well, they said at the front that I could I could come in and see her. And Patsy goes, well, now. Wear this apron and wash your hands afterwards because Patsy's got OCD and no one else thinks she's coughing. <laughs> Patsy is always the one like, wash your hands. Um, and this, this madam's like, okay, yeah, no problem. And Patsy's like, well, I'll give you some space. And as soon as Patsy leaves, the madam's like, right, Dora's lost her mind. We can't control her and you need to get back. I've brought all your shit. Put it in this bag. We've got to go. You're leaving now. So the madam. Mm, the madam's kind of forcing her to return even though she knows that she kind of needs this treatment to protect her baby so it's a bit shitty it's majorly shitty like i'm not impressed with the madam um new scene trixie and tom are talking to the bishop oh bishop has arrived at tom's house um the bishop says to tom you know you've been doing so well and while they're talking trixie's got this plate of sandwiches and she's like sandwich no (laughs) sandwich no and they're both a bit like get the fucking sandwiches out my bitch man bitch man (laughs) get your your sandwiches out of my face don't make you know women are seen not heard sit still look pretty you are not a part of this conversation in any form at all trixie um and the bishop says to Tom, you know, we actually would like you to go to St. Anne's, which is a parish in Newcastle, um, which is, is rough. St. Anne's is rough as arseholes, especially in the 60s and 50s. Um, Trixie kind of goes, oh, well, we were kind of hoping for a more rural environment to raise our children. Ooh. And at what point, while she's talking, A, Tom doesn't back her up. Tom just looks horrified that Trixie's opened her mouth and has dared to offer an opinion to the bishop. And the bishop kind of freezes like, what the fuck? This woman is talking to me like she has a right to talk to me. What on earth is happening? I I hate this scene. I hate this scene too. There's this really long, awkward silence. And then Trixie goes, well, I'll I'll go make another pot of tea. And then the bishop yeah. waits for her to leave and then continues to talk as if Trixie hasn't said anything. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with you, love. Piss off. It's awful, though, because her point is actually 100% valid. Like, they're about to be married and have but, a child. But these, this is, I don't necessarily think that this is, um, I, I can understand that perhaps, you know, they're not married at this point. Trixie's got some sort of ambiguity as to her status as to why she's there. What I don't understand is why Tom isn't sticking up for her. Tom is such a it, it's, wet weekend on this episode. He is such a wet weekend. I don't get it. 
because the, the 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 ideal thing to do in that situation is to take Trixie's hand and say yes, Bishop, that's what we've discussed. Yeah, or I absolutely understand why my fiance would feel like that, and you know perhaps mm. that's something we should discuss afterwards. Um, but Trixie's opinion is very important to me. Or just yeah. validate her. Don't just like he literally does that kind of thing that boys do where they're like, oh, oh my god, she's talking. It's so embarrassing. It's like she leaves. <laughs> It's she's mm. he's such a wimp. Like yeah. I'm glad she dumped him. Um new scene. Winnie and Barbara are back at Nanatus and um Barbara so this is the start of the long night where everyone starts chucking out babies like it's going out of fashion. So Barbara <laughs> is kind of like number one starting out the gates. It's like boom, ding ding ding, Barbara is starting. You will go to my first whistle. So Barbara goes out to <laughs> to the Coulters, which is a bit of a callback because they didn't really have anything to do with in this episode. But the Coulters is that gobby woman at the start who was in the horror stories to the other mums. Mm-hmm. And um, Barbara's like, oh, gosh, is the mother-in-law there? Is she there? And Julianne's like, yes, I'm afraid she is. And Barbara's like, oh, I'm going to have a shit night now. Next scene, Tom and Trixie are arguing. Obviously, the bishop has left. And um, Tom says, Trixie, it is not your place or my place to question a bishop. He is a bishop. He gets his own position in a chess set. What do we get? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) And Trixie kind of calls him on his bullshit. She points out the hypocrisy. She's like, we're going to be married and I have my own expectations to have children. Like, why I don't want to we've both live in Poplar which is really really poverty stricken and clearly if we're going to have children I would much prefer to have my children in a rural place where it's going to be much safer the children are are going to have a better quality of life Tom kiboshes all of this um and Trixie then stalks out Tom then follows her and this is the really interesting thing and says Trixie Last night, I went to a man whose wife died at 27. She died very early. And he says, this is my work. And this is the most important work that I will ever do. And that's why my work is so important. And I will go wherever the bishop goes. And Trixie says, I just want my children to grow up somewhere nice. I don't want them to grow up in a poverty stricken part of the world. I want them to have a good life. Tom then does this thing. That I was like, fucking got you, nice guy syndrome. So he does this thing where he offers an ultimatum, but he does it in a very soft way. It's still an ultimatum, though, because he says to her, Trixie, when you marry me, you will be marrying the church. And he says, you know, I'd like you to consider. Have you ever considered the lifestyle of which you'll have to adopt once you're my wife? Mm. And Trixie goes. Have you and he goes, have you ever considered that maybe that life isn't the right life for you? And Trixie goes, no, have you? And Tom's like, I'd like you to go away and think about it. And he's very calm and she's very emotional. But at the same time, he's basically saying to her, if you marry me, you will do what I tell you to do. Mm. I'm not going to tolerate you questioning or requiring me to make effort for your needs you will do what I want to do and I'm not going to tolerate you questioning me or putting pressure on me to change my life that which is such a dick move Tom you're a dick 
it really pisses me off. And he does it in such a, Trixie, you're being so emotional. You're being so emotional. And really, you should think of, because he's so calm. And... Thank it, you, it, yeah, He is a dick. He is a dick. And Trixie's really upset. Mm. Trixie's really upset. And well, he's kind think, of like, mm, I think done. he knows at this point that we're done here, aren't we? I think if someone turned around to you and said, I really think you need to stop because my needs and my job and everything I do is more important than your feeble concerns about where you'd like to raise your children. Every expectation and plan that you have doesn't matter because what I say goes. If I say jump, you say how high and I don't want to have this conversation again. And if you can't tolerate that, maybe this marriage isn't for you. I'd be like, well, I guess it fucking isn't. Fuck you then. I thought it was a really interesting um, choice that he, obviously Trixie's a midwife. So her whole job is about bringing life into the world. And him justifying why his job was more important centred around essentially um, easing people who have lost people. I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, they're opposites even in what they do for a job. But also, while we're on that, Trixie is a senior midwife. She has her own career, which she's very successful at and very good at. And it doesn't even come into the equation. Like he never goes, oh, by the way, Bishop, my wife, my future wife is a midwife and very good at her job. It's almost... Mm. I know it's kind of norm for this time period that if you become married, you give up all of your identity and do whatever the man says you should do, which sucks. But um, I don't feel like Trixie would ever be the girl to accept that. No, Trixie's very forward thinking, isn't she? She's very modern in her sensibilities uh, to us. We recognise Trixie perhaps more like us than we do other characters. Which in some ways is no wonder she's depressed, because I think if I was dropped into the 1950s, I would probably be depressed, too. Oh, I'd be. Oh, my God. I'd be. I'd be like, where's Gateways? Send me there. Just Just wheel me in and leave me. That's all I want. I can't be doing with this shit world inside brain. I just want to be there. I refuse. Um, So anyway, yeah. New scene. It's back of the brothel. Dora. So. Bridget comes back to the brothel and Dora is stripping to the general amusement of the punters in the bar. The uh, she's clearly out of it. The sailors. She's clearly out of it. She doesn't really know what she's doing. There's, again, that diminished capacity. And Bridget kind of covers her up a little bit and brings her away and goes, come on, you need to come with me. While all the sailors jeer. But as she leaves, she's like, you should be ashamed of yourself. So they have this really strong bond, mm. um, which I think is very sweet. Yeah. It's probably almost motherly figure, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. And in the next scene, um, Trixie is alone in the bedroom and she's drinking. Um, she has a bottle of what looks like vodka or gin and she pours herself a pint glass of gin straight and just sits there <sighs> sipping it. Like, girl is on that negative spiral and she's not coming off. She is done. Um, she looks so depressed. She looks very, very unhappy, doesn't she? Really, really unhappy. I mean, it's a bad breakup. Next scene, Bridget is looking after Dora when her waters break. And there's a lot of short scenes now. So Barbara is with the Coulters. 
the mother-in-law is being negative, being like, oh, you think you're in labour? You wait till it starts in reality. and then <laughs> You you'll... wait till a... it fucking burns, you vag. A demon will fly out of your fanny and burn your eyes out. <laughs> Just filling, filling the room with optimism. <laughs> Um, at which point Barbara grows some balls and she takes her aside and she's like, uh, can I just tell you, I have given birth, given birth. I have supported the birth of thousands of babies in a variety of settings out of the two of us. Who has more experience, me or you? And Miss Coulter's like, oh, I suppose it'd be you, wouldn't it? And Barbara's like, that's right. So put a sock in it, bitch. And um, I like feisty Barbara. Feisty Barbara's sexy. I see Barbara's bringing it. Um, so the next scene, Winnie and Phyllis arrive at the brothel. The madam leads them to Bridget and she's in the late stages of labour. New scene. It is raining. It is night time now and it's absolutely blowing a gale outside. And Monica Joan is still in her bedroom looking at pictures. I'm assuming she's gone up a few times. I'm hoping she's not just been crouched on the floor since Julianne left her. Yeah, probably she has. Bless her. So she's looking at pictures when the doorbell rings. Mrs. Bud arrives. Mrs. Bud hasn't been in this episode up to this point. She's just a random mother. Um, and she arrives in really high labour and she's banging on the door. She's like, help, help me, help me. Monica Joan answers the door, but she's very much like, what, what are the dickens? Who could be calling at this hour? I'm like, you literally live in Nanatus. Everyone in Poplar knows where Nanatus is because they always arrive in the episode. And at night. Yeah. Always at night. And she's kind of like, so she goes down, answers the door and she's in, she's very anxious and she's very worried. And But she's still very reassuring to this mother. And this mother says, you know, she goes, why didn't you use the telephone and call an ambulance if you're in this much pain? And the mum says, the phone box at the end of my road is out of work. I've sent my kids and my husband off to the seaside because I didn't want them under my feet. Um, I've come here, but there's something wrong. There's like green discharge in my waters that have broken. Um, and Monica Joan goes, don't you worry. I'm going to get you some help. But there is nobody in Nanatus. No one is at the inn. Everybody is out delivering babies. Apart from Trixie, who is shown to have passed out on her bed while yeah. on call. Completely sparko drunk. So Monica Joan is sort of going, hello, is anybody there? Hello, help. And when nobody calls, Monica Joan picks this woman up and goes, come with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. And the one, I, to be fair, if a random woman who didn't seem 100% with it tried to pick me up while I was in heavy labour went, mm-hmm. I'm going to take you somewhere. I'd be like, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but Mrs. Butts goes with it and she goes, where are we going? And Monica Jones says to a place of safety and love, which I just love. I just Aww. love Monica Jones so much. She's so, <laughs> so sweet. She's, she's so sweet. I don't, she, I love it. She's just she's lovely. So New scene. Bridget is in labour. Um, she is a very quick scene because I've got so many births to get through. But uh, she gives birth to a little girl. I did notice, you know, you said about the lighting on people's uh, faces when uh, people are giving birth. Yeah. Winifred is very uplit from the vagina. Yeah. Scene. Uh, yeah, it's so, weird, isn't it? Is it like a vagina light that people are? I think that, there's, yeah, there's a light in there. I mean, oh, wow. we, we're always told, aren't we? Go to the light. Yes. Yeah, that's and very I, true. And I have lived my life by that motto. I, I think we all should, really. Words to live by. 
In the next scene, Monica Joan and Mrs. Bud are walking the streets and it is pissing it down. It is like the BBC's water budget was used <laughs> in this scene. Like, you know, singing in the rain where you got pneumonia filming it. It's that kind of scene. And she's, <laughs> she's literally carrying this woman who's in end stage labour. And she's like, don't worry, everything's fine. And there's a high chance that Monica Joan probably got a bit confused on this journey because everything's Aww. like that must have been quite a difficult journey. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, like Monica Joan's saying a lot of um, Shakespearean phrases, which I didn't write down. Did you manage to catch any of them? No. I clearly bypassed this episode. <laughs> I haven't even I haven't even watched it. So next scene, Barbara and Julienne both arrive back at Nanatus, um, where a phone call has been had. So they're back. They've just both delivered a baby each, and um, of Frank has rang to say that she <laughs> is in labour. Um, Julienne and Barbara kind of goes, oh. Okay, and she's in a poised, she's a poised spring. She's in readiness for this baby. And Julienne, oh my God, Julienne turns around and says, no, no, Barbara, you've been working since early this morning. You should absolutely take a rest. I feel like Philip has rubbed off well. Employee rights. Someone acknowledges the crazy hours these women work. Well done, Julienne. I'm proud of you, babe. That's character growth. Um... And Julian says, you've worked too hard. Um, you've worked long enough. Go upstairs and swap with Trixie because she should be more than ready to work the shift because she's had all day off. Oh, dear. Um, so Barbara then goes upstairs and finds Trixie drunk and asleep. Barbara immediately understands what's happened, which how many times has this happened? Do you think? I don't, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But it's clearly not the first time. Because Barbara kind of goes, oh, Trixie. It's almost a not again, isn't it? Yeah. Not again. So she picks up the bottle and she hides it in the cupboard. And then she puts a cover on top of Trixie. And she looks after her, basically. Mm. And she says, I'll cover this one for you. And then she sneaks out so that Julianne won't see her and know that Trixie. So she's. She's basically, I mean, it's possible that she might end up working 36 hours or something crazy because she might get back and they'd be like, oh, Barbara, you've rested. Go out to another call. So she's really helping Trixie out here. Lucy, Monica, Lucy, Monica Jane and Mrs. Bird arrive at the maternity home and an exhausted mother collapses along with Monica Jane, who also looks like she's about to collapse because God knows how long they've walked. Um, Sheila is like, oh my god, what's happened here? That's got a bit Irish. Do you want to do oh, your Sheila? What's happened here? Beautiful. I can't do it now. I can't do it. Um, Sheila takes over, and uh, Monica Joan explains uh, she's had discharge in her waters, and she's very concerned. She's in labour. Sheila says at the moment the doctor's not here because every man and his dog is having a baby tonight. So every um, man and his dog. Well, every woman and his dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> so she she goes. We haven't a doctor and a, or a midwife in there. And she, and Sheila takes the baby's heart rate, which is very slow. Um, and it's kind of like dun dun dun. dun. Who will step into this breach? If only we had a midwife in oh, the house. Is there a 
Where's there a midwife when we need one? Has anyone oh seen God. a midwife? Is there a Wait, midwife hiding between Scottish Sheila? Scottish midwife <laughs> from Aberdeen somewhere around here. <laughs> if only we oh, had a midwife. Patrick, Patrick. <laughs> I can't do it. I sound like something off Dr. Kildare or something. I think so. Brilliant. So the new scene, Bridget's baby is being examined by Dr. Turner and Phyllis, who are very concerned. They say the heart rate is low and the breathing is very poor. Winifred is comforting Bridget. New scene. Sheila is decided that she she's remembered she's been a midwife for 10 years. She's like, wait a minute. I know what to do. Oh, that's that mystery resolved. I was really worried for a second there. I thought thought we were all just going to sit by and watch it happen. Sheila um, says that she's going to deliver the baby. Um, I have to say, Monica Joan is an amazing cheering squad. If I had to give birth in a crisis, I would definitely want Phyllis to be the midwife and Monica Joan to be next to me being like... Holding my hand. Talking to me about Shakespeare. That's yeah. that's all I want. Do you know what I mean? If music be the food of love, kick that fucking baby out your vag. Exactly. Is that don't how it gi- goes? Don't gild the lily. Is that how it's... it's that, no, that's not how it goes, is it? <laughs> Um, and um, Mrs Bud while she's giving birth goes I'm so lucky you girls are here and it's just a nice bonding moment you see Barbara arrives at Of Frank's and reveals that Of Frank actually has a real life name that has not been mentioned up until this point and her real life name is Susan Of Frank is actually called Susan oh I don't like Susans Um, Barbara delivers the baby who is revealed to be a girl, and I think we all could have guessed that this was going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Blatant, Heidi. Blatant. Be subtler next time. And Susan begins to cry. She's so in love with her baby. She's so excited that her baby's here. She, baby's so lovely. She's kind of immediately got that glow. Frank's in the back door like a little ominous cloud, like... What's going on in there? Well, clearly, Frank, if you paid any fucking attention to anything, you would know that she's having a baby. Fuck off. Go somewhere else. New scene. Sheila and Monica Joan, <laughs> Mrs. Bud, admire the baby that has just been delivered, who is also a girl. Uh, the mother, Mrs. Bud, thanks Sheila and Monica Joan, and she says she apologises to Monica Joan because she says, when I first arrived at the house, I looked straight past you and I shouldn't have. Um, and I've been thinking about what name I should give this baby and I'm going to call it Monica because, but not the Joan because I didn't like the name. I had an aunt called Joan I didn't like. So the baby is going to be called Monica and Monica Joan is really touched and really mm. emotional about it. And I just love her. She's yeah. just like, it's so sweet. So cute. So cute. And she's so like, cute. it's an unearned honour. But she accepts it anyway, as she should, Queen. New scene. Barbara says is a bit concerned because Susan is not delivering her placenta. She's given her an injection and it's still not come out. Frank is still outside waiting just so he doesn't see any lady bits, I'm assuming. Um, And Susan begins to beg Barbara, please, please don't tell him it's a girl yet. Let me just enjoy. Let me just enjoy my child's birth for a good 20 minutes before it's destroyed by the really challenging man that I've married. So Barbara... um, she basically begs her and Barbara goes, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell him, but he does need to ring the doctor because you haven't delivered the placenta. So she opens the door. Frank's there and she says, go and call the doctor. It then cuts to like, I'm assuming an hour later when um, Susan is like in the stretcher 
being taken out by ambulance men with the babe in arms. And Frank, <laughs> Frank is just like, is it a boy or is it a girl? He does not care that his wife is going to hospital. Potentially she could hemorrhage or die. Hasn't mm. occurred to him to be concerned. All he wants to know is, is this child carrying its genitals on the inside or the outside? And Barbara breaks the news that actually it's a girl. Um, Susan, who's on the stretcher, goes, Frank, just look at her, Frank. Frank won't look at the baby because he's disgusted by the fact he's had a girl. So he steps away and turns his back on his wife and child as they are wheeled out of the bedroom to the hospital. bastard. It's terrible. Um, Barbara is outraged outraged and she's oh, like she how flips out she flips out she is tired she's on like her 49th hour on shift she's delivered a million babies and she's had enough of this dude so she's like how dare you talk you how dare you do that to your wife at which point dr turner jumps between them okay and dr with turner's gonna get it now with his finger wagging and he goes barbara that is enough you cannot raise your voice like that to a man. So Barbara is told that she is over emotional and tired and needs to leave the scene before she says something she'll regret. Barbara then goes, but he can't treat his wife like that. And Dr. Turner goes, ah, less out of you, Missy. I will drive you because you're so emotional. You can't be trusted to drive your bicycle. So I will drive you home because you are basically like an adolescent Fuck off. The men in this episode are just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, yeah. if a colleague pointed their finger at me and was like, you are being emotional, you need to, I'd be like, I'd punch him. I'd be like, I'd remove the him. finger from my face or I'm going to stick it up your ass. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even say that. I'd just smack him in the face. I'd Literally, break his nose so badly that he It's almost like Dr. Turner's like, ah, Zip it, Missy. The men are talking. Like, Dr. Turner. It's just so patronising. It's so patronising. And Barbara absolutely has a point. And I understand it's a professional situation. And he is. But at the same time, she's defending her patient. is to the mother. His attitude and his response is upsetting the mother. She's absolutely right to call that out. And Dr. Turner's like, shh, zip it. So I just zip feel it. like... Zip it, you little whole... woman. So Barbara goes downstairs to clearly wait by the car because she's been told she'll be taken to Nanatis, like a naughty schoolgirl. <laughs> and um, Dr. Turner kind of turns around with his hands in his pockets like... <sighs> and they both look out of the window as his wife being put in an ambulance. New scene. Barbara arrives back at Nanatis. <laughs> um... And she goes to the bedroom where Trixie is to find Julienne sitting on Patsy's bed, looking at the sleeping Trixie, having clearly worked out exactly what's happened. Bit creepy, though, isn't it? A little just bit creepy. Sat, just sat there staring at her while she passed precious. out. My Maybe that's, should we, is that another ship, Julienne and Trixie? Ooh, Gypsy. 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 Oh, my God, Gypsy. Somebody <laughs> needs to write for Gypsy. Truly N. Truly N. Truly N. Oh, my God. You're good at this game. <laughs> so, um, Julian is like, hmm, 
the Julian, the Julian, uh, the London has called to say <laughs> that off Frank was taken into the London because she couldn't give birth to her placenta. And they told me that the nurse on call was you, not Trixie, as I told to go to see her. So she's basically come up, works it all out. And Barbara goes, I'm really sorry. I'm really, and she's embarrassed because obviously everybody knows that this is a problem and she probably knows that she's done wrong, but she wanted to protect her friend. It's a difficult situation. And Julianne acknowledges there is a problem, but you're not helping by hiding it. Mm, you know, we, we have to support her, but we can't support her if we don't ever. Well, covering it up concerns. is not supporting her, is it? I think the it's longer that they cover it facilitating it. Mm, you know. So, new scene. The whole gang, bar Trixie, are um, hanging out near the telephone and um, they all look exhausted. Everyone's like fringes are like parted and stuff in a tired manner. And um, they're tossing up the scores of the night. So Winifred has delivered two babies. Phyllis has delivered two. Julianne has delivered one. Patsy's delivered one. Barbara's delivered three. Um, and Monica Joan has done one as well. So they're Yay! all like, woo, Monica woo! Joan. She's still got it, man. Um, which means they had 10 babies delivered in one night. And then Phyllis kind of goes, and I don't know where Trixie's got to because I haven't seen her. And Julianne is kind of goes, well, you know, she's in bed. She's not feeling very well. Um, but I'll speak to her tomorrow. And Phyllis kind of goes, OK, well, if Julianne's aware, I'll leave it. Um, and they, they all go to bed. And as Monica Jane goes upstairs, she sees a picture of Raymond. Yeah, and this is a nice moment. This is a crucifix and goes, thank you. Yeah, that was a nice moment. It was nice. New scene, the Turner's home. Sheila is talking yeah. about how exciting it was to deliver a baby and how amazing it was. And she was so oh, worried. Oh, the... it was wonderful. It's so wonderful. And... um. And Patrick goes, I sometimes think you're wasted being my secretary. Well, of yeah. course she is, Patrick. Of course she is. She's a skilled woman who is now your bitch who looks for your ashtray. Of course. Oh, okay, the new. Okay, the new. And, um, and Sheila goes, and he goes, you know, you could always go back to it, which is quite nice of him. How nice of him to offer her the opportunity. Yeah, keeping permission. And Sheila goes, no, I'm quite happy being your secretary um, and then they kiss they seal their romantic loving equally based marriage on a kiss which is wonderful yeah, tim then picks wonderful. up the baby and says look this is them doing their mushy stuff angela also which i thought was really unbelievable because he's like a teenager and i don't know any teenager that would be like oh isn't it nice my mum and my dad are snogging in the kitchen Oh, I read it the other way. I read it. Look, Angela, look how pathetic they are. <laughs> the next scene, Trixie is facing the music in Julianne's office with Julianne. Um, and Trixie is a wreck. Like, mm. Julianne is clearly very concerned. And Trixie says everything's ruined. A couple of days ago, she thought she had it all sorted out. And now she just feels useless. Tom's a good man and she's a terrible woman. Um, and she's let him down and she's let everybody down and she's let Nanatus down and she's going to make a bad curate's wife and she'll let her down and her father had a drink problem and she's just spiralling and mm. she's freewheeling into this negative cycle and um, Julianne says maybe you should talk to Tom and tell him about it 
And Trixie says, oh, he wouldn't marry me. No man would marry me if I had a problem. Because my job is to be the wife, not to have a problem. problem. It's my job to fix problems. Um, and Julian's like, uh, well, you know, just to hold on a minute there. And do you really want to start a marriage on a lie? Which is a very valid point. And Trixie takes this to heart. New scene. Of Frank slash Susan is back at home, having obviously delivered her placenta. Barbara and Dr. Turner are checking her out, kind of touching her abdomen, making sure everything's good. And Susan's saying, oh, you know, she looks so much like her dad. And she's so, you know, she's so pretty. And when she smiles, she's got her father's smile. And she's such a Robins and all of this stuff. And um, they go, oh, you know, how is things? And she's like, any day now, he's going to pack all of my stuff in a suitcase and kick me out of my home with our daughter because I've ruined his life by giving birth to a girl. And she says that he uh, won't acknowledge the baby. He won't touch the baby or pick it up or talk to her about it. Mm. Just, I mean, if Mr. Robbins accidentally fell off a cliff, it, the world would probably be fine. I don't think Mrs. Robbins would. I think she genuinely loves him. Mm. And I, I think that's why she's... Well, I think that's half why she's... I think she's paranoid about him leaving her. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the healthiest of relationships. Well, I, I feel like he needs to value her more and to tell her he loves her more. Yeah, and also maybe not like fill her with fear that she might have a baby that's not the gender he wants. Yeah, Lucy. absolutely. Tricks I love in. it when you say that. <laughs> I, I've started. I've started dreaming about that. <laughs> New scene: Trixie and Tom, the ultimatum, the final chapter. So Trixie and Tom are sitting in Tom's living room, and Trixie looks awful. Truly, truly, mm. awful. she has bags under her eyes. She's not got her buttons done up fully on her tunic. She just looks rough, and she looks really like she's crying. They're not making eye contact with each other. She's kind of looking off in one direction. He's looking off in another. Um, and Tom says he can't and won't apologise for the bishop or himself for the plans that are made. And Trixie kind of goes, mm-hmm, I agree. And she calls him on his ultimatum. She kind of goes, what you said yesterday, you know, had I considered the requirements to be your wife. And Tom is a pussy and backs away from his ultimatum because clearly now there's a consequence to that ultimatum that he sent. Mm. So um, he kind of goes, I didn't mean it like that, Trixie. Of course you did, Tom. We were all there. We all saw it. We knew what you were doing. Um and Trixie goes, well, I've had to think about it. And you're right. I can't do it. And he's going, Trixie, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he, she takes off her engagement ring. She gives it back to him and he won't accept it. So she physically has to open his hand and put the ring in his hand. Mm. And she leaves. She's like, I can't marry you. And as she's walking away, she's crying. He, there's a bit of a pause and he follows and is calling her, but she doesn't look back. She goes, in the Nartus, which is awkward, by the way. Could you imagine living next door to your ex? Yeah, that's pretty awkward. <laughs> like, this is not over. They're going to have to see each other every single yeah, day. Yeah, Cura wouldn't live there anyway. That's just for the TV. Well, 
New scene. Winnie is visiting Bridget, who is kind of hanging out with her baby on a chair outside of the brothel. Winnie asks, oh, is the baby going to follow in the family business? Oh. <laughs> Which is such a like, oh, is your child going to be a prostitute? Fuck off, Winnie. Um, and Bridget goes, you know, I owe you a lot. My baby is, has been born safely. And Winnie goes, oh, if you owe me a job, you can let me do a talk on safe sex with the prostitutes at the brothel. Um, new scene. Dr. Turner comes to speak to Frank. So it takes it doesn't take any of the women. It's not his wife's sadness or his daughter's birth or Barbara bringing up how unfair it's been. It's this scene. Um, Dr. Turner has come to speak to Frank about his behavior. Like, yeah, that's what changes the tide. It's not anything else. So Dr. Turner says, you know, I've and come to see you about your behavior. And Frank says, well, have you got a son? And Dr. Turner says, yes, I do. And um, Frank says he's let his father down by having a daughter. And Dr. Turner goes, you know what? Women, you know, this is a new age. Women are actually starting to be worth something. Uh, I don't know what he's noticed, but they've started to, like, you know, be worthy of mm. attention it's crazy in a few years time there's even a woman in parliament now like women are actually 50 percent of the population that have been milling around they're actually starting to have a value it's amazing wow such progress I'm so fucking i'm so salty this episode this whole episode <laughs> are we coming across a little bit anti-male at this point i'm not anti-male i'm just no, anti-males but... who are anti-women yeah um Fine. And Dr. Turner just goes, you know, you should be proud of having a child. You should be proud of your daughter. And Frank goes away and thinks about it. So that night, Frank's in bed and he wakes up and he turns around. He looks at his daughter in the crib and he decides that actually he's going to go have a go at being a dad. And good for him. So he picks up his daughter and he takes her to the workshop to show her the ropes and um he's kind of like you know no rope no navy no navy no empire empire that's the line um and then susan arrives and it's kind of quite smug like i saw you being a decent human being to our <laughs> child <laughs> and he kind of gives her a smile like all right you caught me i might actually <laughs> be an all right dad to our children who knew who knew who knew and then it's the final scene. So the final scene ends in Barbara holding three of the babies that she delivered for a picture, obviously commemorating the evening. Winnie teaching the prostitutes on safe sex and looking really happy about it. And Trixie <laughs> sitting in depressed silence in the chapel. Yeah. Three very juxtapositioned scenes. Mm, very. Um, and old Jenny says, uh, some wait for the dawn forever. And that's the end of the episode. Oh, my God. Already? Already the end of the episode. Wow. So, any thoughts? I didn't... Yeah. It's not a classic, is it? It really irritated me in some ways, this episode. Oh, it caught me something cropper. Yeah. Although, did you ever, on YouTube, did you ever come across a Crack the Midwife clip? Uh, video. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this episode was gave the most of their clips. Really? Yeah. 
which I, I hadn't realised till I watched it again. I was like, oh my god, this is that scene. <laughs> Loved it. I just feel like this episode's its main thing was Monica Joan being empowered, Sheila's transition back into the workforce, yes. and Trixie's drinking. And really, this oh, is yeah. stacking it up massively towards Trixie's eventual um, breakdown. Breakdown. Because yeah. she's pretty much there, you know, she's struggling to do her work, her relationships are breaking down, she's putting pressure on her friends and colleagues so that, you know, potentially they might not trust her or give her that same level of support. Because, you know, if you're constantly behaving like that, eventually your friends are going to struggle. Yeah, it, you're, yeah, you're, their respect for you will diminish and their... Yeah. Their, and then their love for you will diminish and their wanting to cover for you will diminish. And yeah. suddenly, all of a sudden, snap, bang, wallop, you're a problem, not a, you know, not an asset. Yeah. And I think that's very much where Trixie is dangling at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel sad for her. But I also think Trixie is a modern woman trapped in the 1960s and 50s I think if she'd been born in this era I don't think she'd have had children I think she'd have been career driven and I think she'd been on tinder yeah chilling definitely she'd have been a bloody nursing practitioner by now wouldn't she oh massively I just feel like Trixie is kind of like she's very modern but she's trying to because she's so good at appearances she's trying to put herself in a box that is fit for that era and her personal just won't allow it i think that's the nail on the head with trixie isn't it she's always trying to be something else Mm. she's trying to put a persona out there that and hide where she really is she does her best work when she truly accepts who she is when she's Mm. happy and when she's content in who she is she's at her best yeah and she's a brilliant midwife She's a really good midwife. I, and I was a little bit salty that Patrick said that Sheila was the best midwife at Nonartis. And I'm I like, know. hang on, like, there's a lot of good midwives at, Mon- at, no- at Nonartis. Couldn't say it. Evangelina, Phyllis, yep. Julianne. Yeah. Really Trixie. good midwives. Trixie. Yeah. Patsy. Yeah. Um, Cynthia. Yeah, Mary Cynthia's been there for yonks. She's only gone to the mother house, learn how to, she's gone to nun school, and then she's going to be back. Yeah, I went to so. nun school as well. I learned nothing. <laughs> what did you learn? None. Nothing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that was the episode this week, guys. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. I don't. I hope it was miserable for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't and mean that. I don't mean that. And yeah, so we hope you've had a nice listen and have a lovely day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay.